The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! oh my god, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip Podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. Good, how you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man, what's going on? We ready to go, or what? Okay. This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid up, they knew they could kick the out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute. You weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two Merrill's insecure, isn't he? Jealous. You ought to get on the internet and talk to his... Uh, Hurry up. You his, don't got all day. His other wrestling buddies that have their little websites. Commiserate. You think they're insecure? Jealous? Of course. What is this? What is, what is this? 
Somebody just no, delivered a... I'm uh, so sick of you trying to steal my spotlight. Some chocolate. Get out of here. Get out of here. You make me sick. You're pathetic. Get out now. That's pathetic. My God. And you know, you ought to get back on that Stairmaster. It looks like you gained a few pounds. Yeah, but in the right places. Get out of here. Second uh, time, Sable's got uh, a mysterious gift. What I want to do is I want to bring out someone that's going to watch my back. Oh. I want to bring out some of the beautiful people. The beautiful people. Ladies and gentlemen. You think Sable was? Marilyn. Marilyn Manson! The beautiful people! The beautiful people! The beautiful people! The beautiful people! Well, I'm telling you, JR. Marilyn does, I guess. The beautiful people! Somebody, somebody want to gag Merrill or take the damn microphone from him? Maybe we could have a wrestling match. And from behind, Merrill, and how could Moss not be distracted by uh, Maryland dust? Moss thought that was his hero, Marilyn Manson, coming out here. We will give you an update on what may have been a career-ending situation earlier tonight involving Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. Michael Cole is at the hospital as we speak. We expect uh, another announcement, and we'll break in at the moment we hear from Michael Cole. We do not know the any more than our first report told you that Cactus and Terry are both in the emergency room. And we'll have more for you as soon as oh, Nice move there in a power bomb. As soon as that information is made available. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I saw him being loaded into the ambulance, and it did not look good. Marvelous Mark Merrill one-on-one with a headbanger Mosh. And Merrill with those educated fists from his Golden Gloves boxing days. Tell you what, this is a start of a heck of a week. The big press conference, the WrestleMania 14 press conference, is Thursday. The WrestleMania tickets that were available in Boston this morning sold out in 90 seconds. And there's a nice counter into a, a power slam by Boston Merritt. Sold out in 90 seconds? Absolutely. So WrestleMania is officially a sellout. Nice drop kick there by the headbanger. And the USA Cable Network, the number one network in cable network in the world in the month of January, thanks to WWF, right? Number and one in King. prime time, yeah. King. I mean, I can't imagine what is going through the minds of guys like Billy Gunn and the Road Dog, but I also can't imagine what's going through the mind of somebody like Mark Merrill. He, he sent Sable to the back and calls out a beautiful person like Marilyn Dustin watch his back. Something wrong with that picture, isn't it, JR? Yeah, there's a lot wrong with Goldust picture. Goldust, born Dustin Runnels, the son of the American dream, just got knocked down. He's also star, and there's a Galata, a low blow, a low blow by Merrill. The referee didn't see it, and Merrill's gonna steal. 
seal of victory over Headbanger Moss with a hell of a mark. Maryland does. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. This is your host, J.P. John Paz, and on today's flagship episode, part of the TMPT Podcasting Empire, we have a returning guest, a former three-time WCW World Television Champion, a former WWF Intercontinental Champion. You may know him as Johnny B. Bad or the Marvelous One. Or the wild man, but he is, of course, Mark Merrow. And it's been a while since he's been on the show. Five years almost since his first appearance on the show. Can't believe it's been that long. Thank goodness we're able to get him on for this interview because he's one of my favorites. Just absolutely loved him. Such an underrated wrestler in and really, quite frankly, out of the ring. Just a great, great man. A great motivational speaker. One of the greatest speakers out there on the scene today. He's been doing it. Believe it or not, for over 14 years, he's been speaking to schools, churches, etc. He's just so empowering. He's so invigorating. He's so inspirational. He is a great, great speaker and really somebody to really learn from. I mean, you want to say motivational speaker, but it's one of those things where you're learning something as well. And what he's saying can really resonate and you really can get really quite emotional over some of the things that he may bring up and maybe even some topics of the past. And if you've seen his viral video that DDP had put out about his mother, just such an inspirational video and you can kind of see why it's so popular. So just go out to a YouTube and check it out at Mother's Love great great video you may get emotional you will probably absolutely love it regardless i think it's just it just shows what a great uh, speaker he is and i just think it's just an awesome awesome video so check that out but of course kind of the crux in the interview and what we're uh, talking about today is the champion of choice go to thinkpaz.org for further information about helping others feeling great giving some joy and making a difference of course, you know, with him being a former WCW and WWF superstar, we do get into the nitty-gritty of WCW. We talk all about Dusty Rhodes and his creation known as Johnny B. Bad. We get into the gimmick, the character, the, like I said, the creation of it, the fact that he looks like Little Richard. We'll get into his theme song, and yes, he will actually sing it. So stay tuned later in the episode, and you'll hear that. <laughs> Hilarious, uh, because the lyrics are awesome. It is one of my favorite themes. I think it's awesome. Uh, so that's some cool stuff there. We go into a bit of his boxing background, maybe even some uh, boxing matches that he did against Scotty Flamingo, a.k.a. Raven will go into him winning the WCW TV title for the first time against Regal, then again against Diamond Dallas Page, and then for the third time against the total package Lex Luger. We'll talk about his adventure and journey into the World Wrestling Federation for Vince McMahon. We'll talk about how he wins the Intercontinental title in an awesome tournament where he beats Stokel Steve Austin, Owen Hart, and Ron Simmons, a.k.a. Farouk. Quite a triple threat there, quite a tandem that he defeats. So that's an awesome run. Talk about his awesome feud with Sable and the Attitude Era and what he thinks about Vince Russo. So really good stuff there. As far as the rest of the interview, we'll go into some of your favorite matches, favorite opponents, really touch on different things such as Triple H and The Undertaker and Cactus Jack and Rick Rude, but really talk about that awesome match at Fall Brawl 95 that goes 30 minutes against Flying Brian Pillman. If you haven't seen it, definitely go out of your way to check that one out. Absolutely love that match. One of my favorites. Johnny B. Bad, Brian Pillman, 
Full Brawl 95. Just check that out for sure. Now, as far as the rest of the interview, you're gonna I think you're just going to absolutely love it. We talk his entire wrestling career and post-career. But sticking to TMPT business, just want to also mention before I throw it onto the interview, we have many other podcasts which you can find out and check out on TMPTEmpire.com, our beautiful newish website. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff on there. If you want to keep up with everything we're doing, you can just check out the website. So many different podcasts like Taking to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard, Testmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan, University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel, Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, Trump Mania with Lavi Margolin, Talking Tough with Rick Bassman, and so much more check it out tmptempire.com now without any further ado i'm going to throw it on over to some tmpt business and then an awesome awesome interview with the former three-time wwe world television champion the former wwf intercontinental champion the wild man johnny b bad marvelous mark merrill and now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Raslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk. Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, and Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Automatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. former three-time WCW World Television Champion, as well as a former WWF Intercontinental Champion. You may know him as Johnny B. Bad, but he is Marvelous Mark. Mark Merrill, welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. How you doing today, man? Doing very good. Very excited to have you on. I mean, you're 
kind of uh, making a big name for yourself or have really made a big name for yourself outside of wrestling. So what have you been up to lately? Well, you know, uh, it's been just an incredible uh, program we have with Champion of Choices where we go to schools, churches, corporations all over the country and really inspire people to live the most powerful lives, you know, just uh, especially with, with today's with, with today's uh, students, especially, you know, with the, the um, uh, isolation, loneliness, depression, anxiety, and bullying that a lot of kids are going through today. So we deal with a lot of those subjects that, at schools through our programs, and it's really uh, made a difference in a lot of kids' lives. Yeah, very, very powerful stuff. What kind of led you down this path? Because you seem like such a natural, and you're so good at public speaking, and you can really connect with people. So what led you down this path? You know, there's no greater joy than helping another person. I think anyone that that has been in uh, my position that's able to help someone, there's you know just a great feeling of, of making a difference in somebody's life. Um, you know, it's just, it, it started really, really strange was after, after my wrestling career ended, I was asked to speak to a, a football team at one of the local high schools. And, uh, from there, it just, I, I couldn't believe how many kids wrote to me after the presentation and say how it really touched their heart, changed their life. And, and, uh, then, then that school told another school about it. Next thing I know, I was speaking to the whole school, you know, where I would do assemblies or gymnasium presentations and, Man, 14 years later, thousands of schools. It's just been incredible. All over the world, we went to Russia. We went to Guatemala. We go uh, up in Canada quite a bit. So it's just been it's been an amazing journey. I, I couldn't be happier in my life to do this. And you sent me a video the other day, which was very, very touching, talking about your mother. And, man, you know, it's very emotional, but it, you are such a well spoken guy and he just said it so well it felt like he touched everybody in the room and everybody that watched it of course with uh, i guess ddp's marketing ddp's help became a huge viral video it did you know it's so funny because when i go to atlanta to speak at schools i often stay with ddp and uh we we always have a great time together and he said to me he just goes hey bro you mind if the guys go down and film your presentation and, and of course, I get a, I get a signed release from the schools and stuff. So uh, I said sure. And, and next thing you know, he called me in a couple of days. He goes, he goes, hey bro, you mind if we put this little five minute video we made out there? You never know, it might go viral. And it's like, you know, with all the people that have shared that video, it's like a half a billion people have seen that video now. It's just been incredible. And not only that, it was just it opened so many doors for me to go all over the world and speak. Yeah, and I just find it kind of funny but also ironic that DDP was involved. And, you know, your old, quote-unquote, your old rival from WCW. <laughs> yes, <laughs> bitter enemies, better friends. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I just uh, got my uh, – I just bought a plane ticket the other day. I'm going to go see him in a couple weeks, and we're spend some time together. And uh, it's it just really fun to hang out with, with each – you know, we really have a good time. You know, we inspire each other. We come up with some new ideas on how we can help each other. And, we, we're, you know, we're different things. I mean, he's, he's, in, he's inspiring people through fitness and, and through a lot of these great – DDP is also a, a great motivational speaker, man. And, and uh, he's really come a, a long ways and, and done some amazing things after his wrestling career. And I, mean, I couldn't be more proud to call him a friend. Now, with you and, and like that feud and, and wrestling and stuff, is that a big part of your speaking? Do you talk about wrestling a lot? I know, obviously, you see the, the IC belt and the TV belt, the TV title sometimes, but is that a big part of your speaking engagements and stuff? 
No, you know, the part about wrestling I really speak at, I know we show a little wrestling clip before I come out there, you know, and speak to the audience, because um, it's always good for students to know. I mean, they weren't even born when I wrestled, you know. Right, It's always yep. good that they, they see, you know, that, wow, that guy was a WWE wrestler. So it's kind of cool, because I talk about pursuing dreams and goals in life, you know. And, and I, I have this little book that I wrote my dreams and goals down when I was 10 years old. And many of the things I wrote down when I was 10 years old eventually would come true in my life. And so I really challenge students to write their dreams and goals into existence. You know, that, you know, man, it's whatever you want to do in life. And, and, and the thing I want them to realize is that, you know, you're not defined by other people's opinion. Because so many people tell you why you can't do something. You're not, you're not big enough to wrestle. You're not quick enough. You're not smart enough to, to do this, to be a doctor or whatever. And, and, and I tell these kids, the reason why people tell you you can't do it is because they can't do it. <laughs> Don't give up on dreams and goals. Now, with wrestling, I'm always kind of just fascinated with, like, the, especially with you, the Johnny the Bad character. Because when you look at you, Amateur background, boxing, you know, Golden Gloves champion, can literally, you know, probably knock anybody out, you know, back in the day. Maybe not anymore. You probably don't want to. But, you know, you legit background, you can probably knock guys out. Where does Johnny B. Bad come from? When you go to WCW, you become Johnny B. Bad. Because that's one of those things that's like, that's not really a Johnny B. Bad. This guy should be like, a, you know, a boxing champion or something. No, it was it actually it was it was the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes. It was he gave me my break in wrestling and and I'll never forget when I when I first came to WCW. Uh, he said, Did "Anybody ever tell you it looked like Little Richard?" I didn't know who Little Richard was, you know. And I thought he was talking about a wrestler named Little Richard. So I said, "I don't know who that is." And he goes, "You know, And I said, "Oh, the singer." I go, oh, "No, I've never heard that." He goes, "I think I got a gimmick for you." And next thing you know, he had me transformed into the little Richard with a little thin mustache and had me grow my hair real long. And and uh, I was amazed that after uh, being in the makeup chair, <laughs> how I looked like little Richard. But that, that stuff he wrote for you. He was an amazing, uh, just a visionary, you know. And I, I owe it all. I, I really owe my career to, to the dream. I don't know, you know what I would have done in my life or how I would have got somewhere. But he, it was because of that, that man that, that blessed me in my life. That, and, and I think that's why I love blessing or being a help to other people in their life. Dusty Rose was a help to me. And, and now I'm paying it forward and helping others. Do you have any issue with playing that character? Because, you know, you do have that legit golden gloves background, you know, legit tough guy. And then all of a sudden you're playing a, very, very sports entertainment like little Richard kind of character. <laughs> you know, I got to say that the, the my favorite part about my career was working with Dusty Rhodes, watching him being little Richard telling me how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would walk to the ring, he would do all the mannerisms. And I would get laughing so hard. I'm thinking, how can I do this? And he'd work with me, and he'd say, now do it like this. And he'd say, he'd say oh, hush, Johnny. You know, he'd, he would just be so, and we'd be cracking up at each other, you know. Some of the best times I ever had was, was, was him teaching me how to be Johnny B. Bad. He was just such an amazing man. And, God, he's so missed right now, you know. He's, I can't imagine what he would be doing. I'm sure he'd be working with his sons at AEW and being such a big part of that. He was just such an amazing person. Man, I would love to see it if somebody filmed it, him as Johnny B. Bad, you know what I mean? If anybody had that footage, it would be, that would be amazing. 
Oh gosh, he was he he, he would just you know it, it was we we when I first you know became Johnny B. Bad, he would say I want you to do this or do that, and and he'd come up with the we'd come up with the little rhymes and little gimmicks and stuff. You know, I'll kick your booty with my tutti fruity. You know, hmm. he'd say now do it like this. You know, say I'll kick your booty with my tutti fruity, <laughs> and it would just get more and more intense and just just great memories. Does he come up with like your jacket? You're like the rocket blaster where you're shooting the guns and stuff. Did he no, come up with all actually, that stuff? No, that was actually my idea. I just thought of something that, you know, a little different that no one's done before. And, uh, uh, you know, the, and the guns got bigger and bigger and <laughs> shot further and further. And then I had, uh, you know, we, first they had one CO2 canister, then you had to screw two CO2 canisters in, then it was shooting money out and confetti. And, oh, it was just, it was just over the top. Did you mind kind of doing some of that? You know, because obviously, you know, you, you use a mean, quote unquote, mean left hook and, and you're doing that stuff. But did you mind kind of playing not the tough guy role, kind of playing, you know, more of like the entertainer? Well, you know, I got to be honest with you. You know, when you're making $23,000 a year digging swimming pools and someone offers you just six figures, you're not <laughs> going to complain too much about what you're playing. <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Yep. So at that point, but you know what was really cool about it was um, as time went on, I really wanted to drop a lot of the mannerisms and the makeup and stuff like that. Because I was, you know, at that time I was also speaking at schools. And and Dusty eventually let me drop that, you know. The, the character got over enough where we tried to make it more into like kind of a Muhammad Ali, Little Richard character, you know. It was, it was uh, that's where the bad man came in. I'm a bad man. And it was really... Uh, uh, a lot of fun to change it around a little bit. And then it became kind of a fan favorite. Big time, big time fan favorite. There was a little bit of mix of boxing, like yeah, as you're kind of going through, obviously the left hook when you feud with Scotty Flamingo, remember like the box convention and stuff. So, you know, they did kind of put uh, a little bit of a spin, right? When you would do a little bit of boxing. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And it was, it was fun. You know, so they, they did capitalize on my old background. When you were kind of coming up and, and you and DDP started feuding, did you guys both kind of – because it seemed like you guys really were really working hard. He's obviously older, but coming up, you're really working hard. You guys were kind of, you know, that undercard, but then like that mid-card, but then you're moving up the card. It seemed like you guys always really had great matches, great feud, and great chemistry. Was that something you guys really prided yourself on? We did, because you know what? We were both fairly green. You know, we both got into wrestling late in life. I, I was 31 when I signed my first contract, and he was 35. And we both won Rookie of the Year, you know, with, with P, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So it, it was kind of cool. But we used to go down to the – we used to have a um, – the wrestling school is called the Power Plant at WCW. Mm-hmm. And we used to go down to the Power Plant and just work on matches and work on moves and things like that. So – I tell you, it's uh, we 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 just helped each other so much. We really helped each other improve, and then and it really showed in our matches. We were often given the opening match on a pay per view, and and sometimes had one of the better matches on the whole whole card. So it was just a testament to his his work ethic and and um, uh, our you know our athletic ability together. We were just uh, really enjoyed working with each other. When you start to move up the card and you beat. Uh, Stephen Regal. I think a lot of people probably know him as William Regal, but it's actually Lord Stephen Regal at Ball Brawl '94. Is that kind of a big accomplishment to you? Do you think as much about like winning the TV title as like let's say me or and think like, wow, this is a huge accomplishment? What's kind of your thought as the wrestler winning a title? 
You know, it, it is because the the company obviously sees enough in you to to win a belt or you know be a one of the guys that has it. There's only a few guys that have the belt at the at, you know the, the world title, the the the, the um, world television title, um, and, you know the tag team titles. There's only a few guys that have belts, so to be put in that position, it's a great accomplishment. Um, but it also, you know. Losing it to like Lex Luger and then winning it back from Lex Luger, like we we went back and forth a few times and and uh, so that was you know Lex was great to work with for me you know he was just he he would try anything you know which was really cool because um, you know Lex was uh, obviously top of the card guy you know uh, so I really enjoyed working with Lex and um, you know got to work with Sting and. Uh, Rick Flair. I mean, there's so many greats that I was able to work with in the business, you know, and then when I went over to WWF and worked with Undertaker and Stone Cold and Triple H and, you know, Triple H and Stone Cold, I was able to work with them in WCW and WWF or WWE. Um, so what a blessing that was to, to learn from those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when you mentioned Luger, he, cause, you know, he's at the top of the card and you guys were exchanging wins for the TV title. That was a, a nice, you know, a nice moment for you and a nice push for sure. And I even remember right before that when you and Pillman at Fall Brawl 95 had that just unbelievable half-hour match. I mean, just you had some great, great iconic moments for sure. Pillman was just an amazing guy to work with because, first of all, he, he had such great athletic ability. And uh, we, we put together that match, and I remember just thinking – 30 minutes damn <laughs> you know we gotta, <laughs> we gotta pull out a lot of stops here man you know and uh he just he just he really helped design that match i give him all the credit he really put together a great match and being the heel he kind of called the match and it was a uh, it turned out to be uh one of one of my better matches i ever had unbelievable now you mentioned kind of you know leaving WF and going to WCW. Why did you, excuse me leaving WCW and going to WWF? Why did you leave WCW? Well, you know, knowing WWF was really like the pinnacle of wrestling. You know, when you to, to get to WrestleMania, that's like the dance, man. That's like everybody knows WrestleMania, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I knew that at some point in my career. Um, I was going to go to WWF or WWE sooner or later. I, I knew it would happen, you know. And and then when I got that opportunity to go, I thought, you know what? What a great way to end my career. I'm, you know, at that time I'm I'm like 36 years old, 37, something like that. You know, I knew I only had a few years left, so why not finish off there? And then and then you know, being able to wrestle at WrestleMania, and um, um. You know, and winning the Intercontinental title in a tournament to beat Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then Ron Simmons, Farouk, was such a great uh, memory for me. Yeah, that's awesome and quite a moment for the wild man, Mark Merrez. They kind of a little bit of Johnny B. Bad, I guess, mixed in. Um, Did you kind of mind being the wild man? <laughs> no, not really. It was I, I really never connected with the character because it was weird. It was really strange because um, I'd go into the WF Creative meetings and Vince, you know, had this idea of like I didn't know what I was. Was I from the jungle? Because Vince wanted me to do this like Tarzan yell, and I I don't got a very strong voice. So I said Vince, I, I don't have a strong voice like for that, you know, and uh, so I really never connected with it. And it was kind of sad because, you know, I, I missed, I mean, obviously the Johnny B. Bad character was so much fun to do. And then going over to 
you know, hoping they had something creative for me that we I could do. You know, that wasn't Johnny Be Bad, but and I'm not blaming anybody. I mean, I, I should have came up with something myself also, uh, but it was not. It you know, it just wasn't meant to be. And and uh, then then of course switching it over to Marvelous Mark Mar, which really capitalized on my old boxing background, was a, a fun heel turn. And uh, feuding with my my ex wife Sable was was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just kind of bring that up for in a second, but I kind of wanted to go back to the IC title win. Like you said, you know, beat Austin, Owen, Farouk, pretty nice push, right? I mean, that that's got to be like a, a a promising start, despite having the weird uh, wild man gimmick <laughs> and nickname. Yeah, it was a great honor. You know, those are some of the top guys in our business, and I was I was really really blessed to, to uh, win the IC belt, and uh, look forward forward to a long you know long prosperous career there but um unfortunately i I blew out my knee shortly after that and uh and it changed everything you know i just wasn't um it took a while took me about eight months to really come back from that uh total reconstruction of my knee um and uh it was a little 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 tough you know and uh then trying to get the the marvelous mark merrill character up to speed and uh it just never went the way I, I guess I would have hoped it. But, you know, looking back, I have no regrets in life. I, I really don't. It's it's so strange when you really think back and say, I wish this could happen or that. But you know what? All the paths I took, they led to me right to where I am today. And I couldn't be more blessed in my life and happier than doing what I do now in, in, in for a career. That is a good point. You know, when when you think about people saying regrets and stuff, that's a good point. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be where you are right now if something was different, right? I mean, something else would have changed. Absolutely, and I think so many people live with with bitterness or resentment or regrets in their life, and they never really move forward to where they're 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 destined to be or where they're capable of being. So when you are feuding with Sable, like you said, they repackage you, your marvelous Mark, which I thought was great. I just love that gimmick. You were such a great heel playing it. Was it weird with Sable? You're feuding with your wife. Is that like a strange feud? Is that something they have to be, have to be convinced of to do? <laughs> Not at all. We we actually had a lot of fun doing it, and you know, I mean, as we talk about it all the time about what different character, what, what different things we'd be doing, and what whether I'm putting her in a potato sack or or an old lady's robe or dress or something, you know, and then she tears it off and she's got a bikini on her. Those are all obviously planned things that we came up with, and you know, we run it by Vince Russo, and he would get such a kick out of hmm. our ideas, you know. Um, the handprints in the bikini contest, you know, those were my hands that we painted on her, you know, so those were all our ideas, and, and Vince Russo loved it, and obviously it, it did great on TV ratings and, 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 and pay-per-view buys and things like that, so it was really a, a great thing, and then, you know, at the time, you know, we're, we're financially doing great, so I didn't mind, I didn't mind at all, you know, get putting her over or getting her, you know, to the top you know helping her move up the ladder yeah they say you know with like the ratings being so important then steve austin would always get a good rating but sable they would always say would get a big rating i mean she would always pop a big rating yeah so being a part of that was was wonderful now you know everyone has kind of different opinions on russo one of the most successful writers if not the most successful 
writer with the Attitude Era and really kind of changing the fortunes, obviously, with the talent involved as well. But he was kind of the, the writer steering the ship for most of it. What are your thoughts on Russo as a writer and, and being kind of the, the, not the mastermind, but being the head writer behind the Attitude Era of the WWF? You know what? Obviously, look back. He did a great job. I mean, there's. I mean, everyone's got their opinions on you know what happened or whatever. But you know, some of his writings, he just, you know, he would just pop a, a ratings and and do real well on a lot of things. You know, um, I got nothing but good thoughts about Vince. You know, he was a nice person. We got along great with him. I never had words with him. I, you know, I, I got. I'm a friend with him today. You know, to this day, we're still. We're still friends, and I, I just—I I think he's a great person. I just uh, I consider him a friend. I always find it interesting that wrestling may be the only business where if somebody's successful at something, you know, people might try to like tear it down. It like doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it almost doesn't make sense in that aspect. But you always see that like he was such a successful writer. WCW had been killing them, you know, like you always hear the 83 weeks or the two years of dominance and WWF was coming back. And hey, he was the head writer for that. So it is kind of a strange thing that people try to knock him for getting ratings. It's, it's a weird, weird world the wrestling can be sometimes. Well, you know, if you, you look on YouTube and there's so many wrestlers that talk about other wrestlers in, in a really terrible way and a lot of bitterness or resentment, and it's a tough business. You know, there's only so many spots available for television, so there's only, you know, there, there's if you're not willing to do something, there's 10,000 guys behind you who are. And it's a, it's a, it's a really cutthroat business, and, and uh, it's hard to maintain long-term friendships and, um, um you know, it's just it's 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 brutal. It really was. And uh, but um, no, like I said, no regrets. I you, know, you don't hear me out there talking about something bad about uh, other wrestlers. What did you think when they brought in Butterbean to face you at, at that one point? <laughs> you know, because that was kind of cool. Because it's like, okay, Merrill's got a legit background. You know, uh, yeah. let's you know, let's see how he handles you know, Butterbean. Bean was a great guy. I I really like. We became friends, you know. And 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 the funny thing was about that that pay per view that I, I had with Bean that that four man kind of boxing match, or I mean that 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 uh, four round boxing match was that. Um, there was two stools. There was one stool that's supposed to break away when I hit him with it, and there was one stool that I would sit on in between rounds. And oh, I think it was this, after the second or third round, I, it was time for me to break the stool over his, his head, and I was given the wrong stool. Uh, my corner man, who was you know, was my actually legit trainer in box when I was a boxer. You know, he, he, this is all new to him, and he just accidentally gave me the wrong stool. And when I hit Bean with it, it didn't break. And I had to hit him again hmm. and again, and finally the, the, just the just top broke off. But the other stool was made to splinter and shatter all over the place. <laughs> so Bean was like, uh, after we went to dinner that night, he was like, man, he goes, I thought that chair would just break. He goes, that really hurt. <laughs> His back of his head was cut open. <laughs> So oh my God! I said, "Man, I'm really sorry about that, but uh, it's just a little, one of those things in the business." Absolutely. Now, another kind of crazy thing was the brawl for all, and I want to kind of know your thoughts because each guy kind of has a, a different opinion on it. And I kind of know basically if Vince McMahon didn't like it or Vince McMahon didn't want to see, it, he wouldn't put it on TV. So he must have life liked it, must have loved the premise of it. What did you think about brawl for all? He loved the idea of it. 
you know, I mean, the idea of it, of, you know, Cena was really the toughest guy out there, you know, it was a, it was a great concept of it. And, and, um, you know, you know, that most of the top guys wouldn't even do it. So, and it was almost made like, if you didn't do it, you were kind of, you know, I don't know, looked down on you a little bit, you know, but the guys that did it, the guys that did it had a lot of balls to do it. You know, it's like putting it out, out there, just going for it, you know? Um, and uh, so my first match was Steve Blackman, and Steve was real smart. He just kept taking me down, you know. Even hit. I don't think I got hit in the in the two fights I had in the brawl for all. I don't remember even getting hit in the face, you know. Uh, but but being taken down uh, was was the key to anyone that uh, would beat me. And then of course, you know, fighting Bradshaw, we went we went to, uh, the th- after three rounds they called it a draw, and then we went to a fourth round, and um, he was able to uh, get the victory. Yeah, I don't think that those two guys, as tough as they are, wanted to stand toe-to-toe. Just it happened, you know, if you they get clipped or something, I don't think they want to get knocked out. So I think they were playing it smart, right? They they didn't want to go toe-to-toe with you. Well, you know, it was a, it was a strange concept, you know, especially trying wrestling or trying to take someone down with boxing gloves on. It's real strange. Yes, yes. But you know what? It was fun. We got paid. I think we got paid ten grand for each match. So it was extra money, and, uh, you know, it was it was all good. Very uh, strange concept, and you know, like Doctor Steve Williams is a wrestler, but you put him in boxing gloves. But then you got to go for takedowns because I mean, the the rules were terrible as far as whoever set up the rules for it. Yeah, and you know what? So many guys got seriously hurt doing it too. So it wasn't. It was, and it was kind of sad too because you know here you are building this new superstar. You know, Bart Gunn knocking out everybody. You know, and just and then all of a sudden that whole. You know that build-up of him being so tough, and then Butterbean just coming in there and just, just knocking him cold. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was scary, kind of. You know, I mean, you're this is a legit boxer. This is legit. You know, there's no takedowns now. This is just legit. You know, fighting. You know, four rounds of boxing, and and it was kind of like so far out of Bart's element that he couldn't. You know, he couldn't wrestle or take him down. It was just a boxing match. And God, he, he got hit. He was really scary where he, where he had he had to hit the the mat. Oh yeah, that was a vicious, a vicious knockout. And there goes all the build up to the bro for all. Yeah, and, and then his, you know, and then his one career minute. never never rebounded from there. You know. Yep, never in the states. Only in Japan no. did he find success. Yep. So as you know, you go through the WWF. Why did you end up leaving? Because you did have a couple years left on your contract, correct? I had three years left on a guaranteed contract with WWF, and um, it just got, you know, it just got to the point where it just wasn't even fun anymore. And and at that time, we, you know, my ex and I, we we had enough money to live the rest of our lives, and we just thought. And she wanted to get into movies, and and so we moved to Hollywood, and she did a couple movies out there, and uh, but her it, that that career never really took off. And then um, she wanted to go back to wrestling, and then she went back to the WWF. And uh, I just had no interest in going back. I did go back to TNA for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the XWF with 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 the Hulk had me come back for a little bit, but other than that, I didn't really go on a, a full time schedule ever again. Yeah, I feel like you know you, you kind of like left the business. Even WCW made like one brief appearance in uh, 2000 with your trainer uh, Ray Rinaldi, and then I was like, oh man, you know what could have been almost like a Tank Abbott feud or something. What could have been? 
Yeah, we were we were in talks to to go in there, but uh, it never really panned out. And, and gosh, I've been on the road for so long at that point in my life, and I didn't really care if I I, I went back. And um, so it wasn't wasn't like high on my priority list at the time, you know. And plus, now I'm you know I'm closing on forty years old at that point, and I was thinking, you know. So I really want to, and especially, I mean, I had so many uh, surgeries too, total reconstruction of my knee, um, five elbow surgeries, five shoulder surgeries, reattached my bicep. Um, you know, it, it just, it just wasn't worth it to me, you know, to go, to go full time and, and with injuries and everything else, and especially getting older, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, worth it. So I'm glad I got out when I did. I, you know, I started so late. So, you know, I, when I was 31 and I had my last match when I was 46, so, um, it was uh, it was about 14 years on and off. And I know it's not like a funny thing, but the way you've kind of said it in your speaking engagements about how you know you and Sable are you were no longer together, and basically Brock Lesnar came in the picture. I just think the the way you tell that story is kind of funny. It, obviously, it, it, it's the crux of it isn't funny, but the way you kind of say it in your your speeches and your speaking engagements is very funny. Well, you know, I have no animosity against Brock or or, or, or Rena Sable. Um, God, I'm I'm so happy for them in their life. They got kids now together, and you know, I never would have known, I never would have found, you know, the the speaking that I'm doing now around the world if I was if that that chapter of my life didn't close, you know. So when you look at things in life, you say, man, that had to happen for this to happen, and uh, I, I, God, I just wish the best. We, we you know. Do, uh, Rena and I share a daughter together, Mariah, and mm-hmm. our, now Mariah's got a daughter, uh, Sophia. So you know we're grandparents now. So we all we all share in grandparenting our our our, our daughter, our granddaughter Sophia. They were just up here with me a couple weeks ago. We we went to Universal Studios and spent the week together, and uh, they're just the best. Well, I can't think of you being a grandfather. You seem so <laughs> young, right? I mean, crazy. <laughs> friend this little one she she runs me ragged man she's just non-stop she's not afraid of nothing I mean, she saw that big roller coaster she goes come on g she calls me g-paw she's like g-paw let's go on the roller coaster i'm like looking at her like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> kid can't we go on the small one <laughs> did you go on though did you give in <laughs> no actually uh her <laughs> Her her great grandmother was there, and she actually talked her out of it because you know Sophia's only you know she was seven years old that you know she, she's eight now but at the time she was seven, and uh, just she just turned eight the other day so she was seven and it was just like, I mean it was scary like for seven year old to go on this this ride I'm so glad we did we didn't because we went on some other rides there um, at Universal and they really scared her. I'm thinking that ride would have just put her over the top where she would have wanted to go home or something. Sometimes it looks good, but then when you actually do it, yeah. you're like, eh, yeah. I don't know about this. I agree. So, so as we hit the wind down and, and head towards the finish, I did want to mention uh, you know, a very sad passing, a great man, road warrior animal, Joe Laurinaitis has recently passed away. Were you close at all with Joe? If I feel like you know you guys would have crossed paths quite a few times. Oh yeah, he he was a great guy, you know. And, and the first thing I did when I when I heard the news early in the morning, um, and it was really strange how I heard it was um, I put up. It was the anniversary of me winning the Intercontinental Belt uh, yesterday, and someone wrote on that 
did you hear about uh, animal passing? I was like, what? So the first thing I did was I called DDP, and uh, we just were talking about it, and we both agreed. What What a great guy. I mean, he, he was just fun to talk to. I mean, he was really just a cool dude, man. I I just always enjoyed talking with him. He was just just a nice person, you know, and 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 he really found his faith in life with God, and and just was a he was a good dude, man. I, I God, I was really sad when I saw that. I was, I mean, I tell you, when I was talking to Dallas, it was like I just really got emotional, man, just thinking about him, you know. And, and same with D. We we you know we seen too many of our friends leave so early, and you know what? He was two months younger than me. We're we we're both sixty, you know. He's two months younger than me. I'm thinking, wow. You know, he's still so young. I feel like I got so much more life in me and so much more to offer this world. And I can't imagine leaving right now. But, you know, I, Crazy. Yeah, there's no promises of tomorrow. It's, 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 it was sad. It really wasn't. And then I seen on his, um, his Twitter feed that his last post was that day was 22nd was he was wishing his wife a happy anniversary. It was their anniversary. So he yeah. actually died on their anniversary. Yep, very, very sad, crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you never kind of expect because you see the, the tweet, you know, obviously, you know, they're going along their day like normal, and then all of a sudden they're gone just like that. It's like scary, uh, but super sad in a way as well. Yeah, it really was. But you know what? That last tweet was so beautiful, wishing his wife mm-hmm. happy anniversary, you know. Um, and that's why I, I just – see some of the things that people write and some people get so political or so divisive this, in this world today. And I think about the terrible things that, that people say to each other, you know, and who, who'd want to leave the world with that last thought, you know? Yep. I agree. I and his, his was just beautiful to me. I, I really looked at that as special. And he is, he's a funny guy too, because I had the opportunity to book him a few times. I got very friendly with him. A friend of mine actually had hawks um, and animals, I guess, at one point, their shoulder pads. It was the, the uh, gold shoulder pads, and I guess hawk at one point was in a bad way, and he kind of got rid of them, but he got rid of animals. So animals, you know, basically hawk sold animals shoulder pads, and my buddy had them. <laughs> and my buddy, which is crazy, but my buddy became friends with animals because he literally just gave it back to him. And the uh, animal's like, didn't you pay for these? He goes, yeah. He goes, but. He goes, I didn't realize they were yours under the circumstances. So Animal, as soon as that, loved my buddy. So anytime I would mention my buddy, he goes, oh, you know, how is Vinny? How's he doing? Like, he was such like a cool, down-to-earth guy, and he just loved the fact that my friend gave him back the shoulder pads that Hawk, oh, I guess, so quote-unquote, cool. stole. What a great story. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, and, and, and I got to know Hawk, too, when I was with WWF at the time. And, and uh, you know, another – Another really wonderful person. I mean, he, he had some issues with with drinking and stuff, but what a great guy, though. You know, just just sad, just sad that he passed so so young, and and so many of the guys that have lost that we lost at such a young age, or through drugs or alcohol or, or car accidents or whatever the situation be. It just so many guys have left us too soon. Yeah, I feel like. Uh... 2020 sucks, but, you know, losing Kamala and, and Road Warrior Animal, just uh, Mr. Wrestling, too. I mean, just, just keeps coming and coming. So many legendary, legendary wrestlers keep asking. It really, really stinks. Yeah, and as we get older, obviously, we're going to see more and more leave us. Yes, unfortunately. But kind of, you know, maybe getting a, a, on, a, on a more happier note or 
maybe just something to change it up a little bit. What are some of your kind of favorite matches or opponents in wrestling, like looking back? Because you had quite a career and kind of want to just highlight that a bit because I mean, whether it be Cactus Jack, Rick Rude, you mentioned Steve Austin, Triple H, so many great opponents. Who are some of your favorite matches or maybe even favorite opponents? You know, it's such a blessing when you think back on, on my career. I was in wrestling when it was the Attitude Era. The, you know, with, with WCW, I got to wrestle Sting and, and Ric Flair and, and uh, um, Rick Rude. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Cactus Jack and WF The Undertaker and Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, I mean, you think of the greats in our business. I got to work with them, you know, or tag team with with Shawn Michaels and and with um, uh, Bret Hart, you know. I wrestled Owen, uh, you know. I, I got to be in the ring with some of the greatest that ever performed in our business. So, with that said, I think some of my favorite matches, obviously the one that you mentioned, Fall Brawl with Brian Pillman, was a was a wonderful match, and uh, any of my matches with DDP because he he just works so hard and he. We just brought out the best in each other. We really tried a lot of new things together. Um, Stone Cold, King of the Ring, was a was a really good match with him. Um, Triple H uh, had a, I wrestled. You know the guys I wrestled the most, like Triple H, uh, Stone Cold, um, DDP, are some of the guys because we wrestled so many times against each other, many hundreds of times against each other because we were not only in WCW but WWF together. So. Uh, I look at matches with those guys and and learned learned so much. You know, I remember uh, wrestling Ric Flair, and I remember watching him as a kid, and, and all the mannerisms he did when I watched him on TV, he did to me. <laughs> and I was like, I had like deja vu wrestling him in the ring, going, "Oh my gosh, I remember seeing that on TV when I was younger." You know, uh, gosh, and he made me look so good. You know, as a a green wrestler coming in and he's got me reversing the figure four on him, you know, like I'm going to be Ric Flair with this move. And of course he reverses it back and beats me, but you know, he just, he just made you feel and look great, even though he'd win the match, you know, it was just great memories. Yes, absolutely. And I just uh, remember, you know, you and Arn Anderson, I mean, a bunch of great matches. Just, oh, uh, Arn yeah. was fun to work with, man. He, and he was, he was funny in the ring. Like, he would say the funniest things, you know, and um, just just a prof- he was a funny guy outside the ring, too. He was like a locker room guy that was just could crack everybody up, you know. I, I really enjoyed working with Arn. Now, here's just a silly question for you. Did you love that WCW theme song of yours, the Johnny B. Bad theme song? <laughs> well, you know, it, it was a catchy tune. <laughs> Here comes Johnny B. Bad. You don't want to make him mad. He's as pretty as a picture. He looks like Little Richard. <laughs> I can't sing too good, but I can remember the words. <laughs> Uh, so good. Don't be fooled by his looks. He's got a mean left. Uh, 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 yes. <laughs> if you don't want to end up sad, don't mess with Johnny. Be bad. He's so pretty. Yes. Love that song. Such a good song. Oh, hush, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you look back, I mean, obviously, it's such a, a great wrestling career and becoming this legendary uh, public speaker. I mean, t- t- if anybody wants to check out these videos, especially that uh, viral video from DDP, but what do you think is your lasting legacy, like the stamp that you leave behind, wrestling included, speaking included, your whole life included? What's your, the lasting legacy of Mark Merrow? Oh, 
while. That's a great question. You know, we're all going to leave a legacy, and and I, my legacy is not going to be, you know, how nice my house or car was, how much money I had. My, I want my legacy to be the difference I made in somebody else's life that they can say, wow, because that, I seen that guy or that guy helped me or that I knew who Mark Merrill or listened to one of his speeches really changed my life. That would be the legacy I really hope to leave. Now, as far as plugs and where everybody can kind of see the videos or maybe follow you on social media, what are some of your plugs social media-wise and otherwise? You know, Twitter and Instagram is just at Mark Merrow. Mark is with a C M A R C M E R O, and then um, on uh, Facebook, it's uh, uh, Mark Merrow page, like Diamond Dallas page. <laughs> it's the Mark Merrow page, and um, oh, let's see. Oh, or go to our website if you ever want to speaking engagement. Think Pause P O Z dot org. Think dot org. And uh, you'll see videos up there and different things that we have. And, of course, our, our, um, our YouTube channel, it's the, um, uh, the Mark Merrow. And check that out. A lot of uh, videos on that, a lot of inspirational videos on that page. Will you be doing any more speaking or anything coming up? Do you have stuff lined up or because of COVID it's all a question mark right now? Well, you know, what's sad is that you know, we, we were averaging around 230 events a year for the last uh, 13 years. And then, uh, because of and up until March, we were going nonstop and then March hit and uh, everybody, uh, all our schools this year had a cancel that we had lined up uh, because they still, some schools aren't even sure if they're coming or going at this point. So they're not having um, um speakers at schools, uh, auditorium speaking or anything like that right now. And so I don't really see it till probably next year we'll be back. But um, I am going to be moving to Atlanta, closer to uh, my buddy Dallas. And uh, we'll, uh, I hope to be working with uh, DDP a lot more on videos and some things that we're going to do together. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So in the meantime, I'm uh, packing my bags here in Orlando and moving on to uh, Atlanta. Wow, look at that. Very cool. And I think that DDP can help. Like, let's just say, for instance, you can't go to the schools physically. Maybe you could do something where it's uh, virtually, you know, meeting well, the schools and doing something. We, That's we kind of been, a cool opportunity. We, yeah, we, we have been doing schools virtually. That is one thing we've been doing. Um, we've done a few now, and we got a couple next week. we got a college that we're doing next week, um, which – you know, obviously you're, you're you're still being able to make a difference, but it's so strange when instead of being in front of a thousand students in, a, in an auditorium, you're looking at a camera, and you know it's so strange because you don't see the you know you have instant feedback when you're in front of a live audience. You know you you can switch things up, you can you know make it more emotional. You can do whatever the whatever the crowd you can feel it what what, what you can and can't do. You know, but on looking at a camera, it's just hard to you know, you can't really read your audience. It's you just hope that they get it. And luckily, so far, it's been it's been really good positive feedback from our virtual events. Yeah, it's almost like pro wrestling when these guys are doing the pro wrestling without the fans. There's no feedback. There's no energy. You don't know how you're doing necessarily, right? When you're up there, it's almost like pro wrestling without a crowd. You know, I've wrestled in front of. You know, we've gone to matches where there was no audience. Uh, I mean, there's just very few people bought tickets at sometimes, you know, where you'd go and there'd be like 100 people there. And that was so hard to wrestle, you know, I mean, because you, you do, you feed off the the live audience and the, the baby faces making the comeback and the crowd's getting behind you and you miss all that, you know. So it's almost like you're just, you know, you're, you're almost like overacting, trying to convince yourself, you know. 
Yeah, I, I could just imagine being a, a very difficult thing to try to uh, try to pull off. Now, Mr. Merrow, thank you again. This has been an honor for all your time. Awesome stuff. Just want to kind of close out on one one thing. It's you know, you, if you don't want to end up sad, don't mess with Johnny B. Bad. Oh, that is good, brother. <laughs> well, thank you very much, man. Great talking to you, John, and um, we will uh, hopefully meet you soon. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading. Here comes Johnny B. Bad. And you don't want to make him mad. He's as pretty as a picture. He looks just like little Richard. Don't mess with Johnny B. Bad. Well, he's so hurt. That man from New York City. You see him in the spotlight. Johnny B.'s gonna fight. Don't want to mess with him. He'll put a left on your chin. So if you don't want to end up sad, don't mess with Johnny B. Don't mess with Johnny B.